How do you bring an ending to such a wonderful prayer, to such a wonderful teaching that Jesus gives us? You know, I was thinking about that this week, of how we are able to put a capstone on the Lord's Prayer. Now, I don't want any of you to uh, misunderstand me this morning. This does not end our sermon series on prayer. Some of you are thinking you were going to get some relief, right? doesn't end our sermon series on prayer, but what I want to do is bring a capstone to this model prayer today. I want to somehow conclude it for us as we uh, hear God's teaching to us, as we are challenged here. After we've studied this and what words have been given to us and, and how grateful I am for those who um, just took their time to record this video, just to let us hear the words of the model prayer in some different types of voices how we're to come and we're to recognize the fruit of this prayer and the teaching of this prayer for our lives and now to bring a capstone. Perhaps today as we bring an ending to the prayer, we'll end it just as the early believers did at the end of verse 13 when the early believers came to the prayer of Jesus and they heard all of this rich teaching, they decided at some point that this message or this prayer needed a doxology and that is what you find in the last part of verse 13 now some of you have english translations you're searching for it right now aren't you you're trying to find this phrase for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen some of you are looking for it some of you are trying to find it any of you want to admit it Maybe you're ESV or NIV. There you go, David. I'm proud of you. You're the only truthful one in here. Well, I won't say that. I'll lose my audience this morning. But some of you are looking around saying, where is this part of the verse? We've heard it. We uh, learned it perhaps when we came up. It is not included in most of our English translations today because it was not part of the original manuscript, but rather... It was given to us by early believers who were trying to do this very thing. They were trying to bring a capstone to the Lord's Prayer. So today, I want to think of the way the believers, those early believers, saw the prayer and how they thought it should be brought together. And perhaps today, we can bring it together in the same way. Because really, this phrase, the phrase that we are given, somehow undergirds all of the prayer. It just reminds us of the power of our God and the power of prayer itself. So listen again at what these early believers added. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What were they saying when they brought this to the text? What did they believe when they somehow spoke about the power and the kingdom and the glory? What were they saying? I think what these early believers were saying is that, one, God makes a difference. God makes a difference. Now, I think this is very important for us. If we're to come to prayer to God, if we're going to talk to Him about things in our lives, we've got to believe somewhere along the line that God makes a difference. God makes a difference in our communication. God makes a difference in our lives. God makes a difference in the issues we bring to him. When those early believers said, God, we believe it is your kingdom and it is your power and it is your glory, what they were saying collectively is that we believe you 
make a difference in people's lives because yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. God, we believe that you make a difference. Now, this had undergirded all of the Lord's Prayer. Every word that Jesus had spoken had somehow been based upon the assumption that the Father made a difference in the disciples' lives. Everyone. Let's say that we take this phrase, give us our daily bread. Let's think about that a moment. We talked about it some month, some, well, it seems like months ago to some of you. Some Sundays ago, we talked about it. And we talked about how Jesus was teaching us to ask for our daily provision. Well, if we're to ask God for our daily provision, that means that we believe God can make a difference in our lives or He has the power to provide for us, right? Let's say that Jesus taught us to ask for forgiveness. That meant that Jesus understood that the Father had the power to forgive us. Last week, we spoke about being led into temptation and asking God not to lead us into temptation but to deliver us from evil. When Jesus taught us to pray that, Jesus assumed the Father had the power to lead us and to deliver us. What I'm saying to you is when these early believers came and they brought this to the text, what they were saying is that God has the power. He has the power to make the difference. And this is not something that is out there. This is what Jesus assumed all throughout the prayer. That God has the power. God has the power to make a difference. You've got to believe that if you're going to come in prayer to Him. If you're going to come to Him and talk to Him about something that is in your life, you've got to come with the assumption that He has the power to make a difference. Otherwise, why would you ever pray? Why would you ever talk to Him? If you did not believe that He had the power to make a difference in your life. You know, if you have an issue in your life, you want to go to the person that has the knowledge or the power to help you, right? Let's say if you've been diagnosed with something in your life. You've been diagnosed with a sickness or a disease. Then that means you want to go and see somebody that has knowledge and maybe some power to help you. You would probably go to a doctor, right? You wouldn't go to a person like Dr. Reggie, by the way. My kids still don't understand that I don't work in the hospital sometimes because of my title and also because I make a few visits there from time to time. I've been trying to explain to Ainsley I don't do surgery. I don't see people. I, I'm, I often tell people, I'm one of these doctors that can't help you too much. You know what I'm saying? But if you've got a physical issue, you want to go see a medical doctor because they have the knowledge and they have the power. Let's say if you want a job. If you want a job, you want to go to someone that has the power to give you a job. Maybe somebody that owns the business, maybe a boss or a supervisor. You want to go to that individual to talk to them about what it takes to get a job. If you want to pass a piece of legislation, you've got to go to somebody like a representative or a senator. If you want some help on your grade, hello, you got to go to the teacher. You got to go to the professor. 
You've got to go to somebody that has the power to help you in some way. And what I'm saying to you is if you have an issue in your life, if there is something that is there, you need to go to the person that has knowledge and power. You need to go to the one that can make a difference in who you are. That is the way we come to God. We say, God, we come to you. You are our Father. You love us. But Lord, we know also that you have the power to make a difference in who we are. God has a power greater than any other being. God has a power greater than any of us could ever imagine. You know, in the New Testament day, just as in the Old Testament day, there were those who placed their faith in idols. There were those who believed in these other types of gods. Isaiah chapter 44 tells us about the futility of putting your faith in the power of those gods. He describes this guy who goes out into the woods and he cuts down this tree. He takes this tree and then all of a sudden he uses this tree for numerous types of tasks or purposes. In some way he might take part of the wood and Use it to build a fire to warm himself. And that same piece of wood he would take and he would carve into an image or an idol. Isaiah said, how ridiculous is it? How futile to think that that one piece of wood that you've carved, the wood that came from the, the, the same substance that now you are burning as well, how do you think that could help you? How do you think it could have the power to make a difference in your life? So many in the New Testament, the Old Testament times, worshipped animals or creation. The Egyptians, for example. In one case, they worshipped this frog, this toad. Could you imagine how hopeless and hapless your life would be if you worshipped a frog? Or a toad. I mean, could you imagine? Oh, holy toad. <laughs> I pray today that you would make a difference in my life. Toad, I need a job. Would you work on my behalf? Toad, I need you to touch me. I'm physically sick. I need you. How ridiculous is that? And all of us, why? Because the toad does not have the power. I've heard someone say before that the quality of our life is based upon the power of our God. That is, the quality of the way we look at things, that we know things could be different, that God could work, is based upon the power of the God that we serve. Could you imagine how hopeless we would be if we thought that our faith was only in idols, wooden idols, or even animals? Could you imagine how hopeless we would be there would be no reason for us to pray. There would be no reason for us to come to God in such a way or to our perceived gods in such a way. There's a difference. Our God has power. Now some of us laugh at the silliness of us thinking about the worship of a wooden idol or a toad or something like that. Some of us laugh at that. But how many of us in here place our faith in things that are around us 
Things that we believe will make a difference in our lives. How many times do we speak to our bank account and say, God, or bank account, we need you to take care of us during this time. We need our finances. We need our money. Our faith is there. How many times do we speak to our associations that we have? We'll be fine through this readjustment in our workplace because we know people. We have friends. They'll take care of us. How many times do we believe that we have reached a certain position in our life and our faith is there and we believe that position or that privilege will take care of us? We may laugh at the silliness of worshiping a toad. But friends, many of us have given in to the silliness of worshiping finances and pride and privilege and position and associations. Many of us have given in to those things. And let me say to you, your bank account cannot save you just like a toad cannot save you. Your associations cannot save you just like a toad cannot save you. Your position cannot save you just like a toad cannot. It has no power. And too often we come to those resources thinking that they have the power to take care of us during these moments. May I just say to you, that it is His kingdom. It is His power. It is His glory that makes a difference in our lives. How many of us have already seen it? How many of us know that no matter what our bank account looks like, it cannot bring healing to our physical bodies? How many of us know that we can have associations at work and think everything is good and We've had friendships and still lose our job. How many of us recognize that no matter what position we have, when it comes to the hurt and the pain of relationships, no position can provide the healing balm that we need? I say to you, only God can make such a difference. And when you come to Him and I come to Him in prayer... That is what we believe. God, you make a difference. God, I am coming to you because I believe yours is the power. I believe you are the one that controls all things. And I'm talking to you because I have faith and trust in you. We must approach him with that premise. That God has the power to make a difference. When it seems hopeless. When it seems hapless. God is the only one that can make a difference in your life and in mine. So I think what we hear is we see this model prayer is first, God, you make a difference. We believe it. And this second truth I want to give you today, it's based upon the first. If God can make a difference, listen, if God can make a difference, then prayer can make a difference. If God can make a difference, prayer can make a difference. When I was working through these series of messages, and I, I came to this one, I was convicted by this question. What does it even matter? I mean, I have given myself to these sermons over the last few weeks on the Lord's Prayer, talking about prayer. You've studied it, perhaps this 
week and the weeks past you've given yourself to special times of prayer in your life. You've been challenged. I hope you have. I have been personally. But we've invested a lot of time talking about it. We've invested a lot of time actually doing it, praying. The question would be, what does it even matter? What, what does all of this time mean? Well, again, if your God has no power, it means nothing. But if your God does have power, like my God does, it can mean everything. Because not only does God make a difference, but He has taught us through His Scripture that when we pray, it makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference in our hearts and lives. And we got to come with that kind of conviction. That's again what Jesus is doing. If he's teaching his disciples to pray, he must understand that prayer will make a difference in their lives. Prayer makes a difference in who we are. God has somehow chosen prayer to be the vehicle of power. To be the vehicle of his responsiveness. He has decided in his own wisdom to hear the prayers of his people and to respond accordingly. Now, I'm one of the first to admit that I don't have it all figured out of the way his work is concerning prayer, concerning our lives. But I do believe this. According to what I see in Scripture, one, God will always fulfill his purpose and his plan. I believe he'll always do that. I believe God is committed to a certain plan and a certain purpose. And I believe he will work it toward his goal. A world filled with his glory. I believe that. I also believe, according to what I see in the scripture, that somehow God is responsive to his people when they pray. So in other words, he will fulfill his purpose and his plan, his overarching will. He will fulfill that. But somehow along the way, he gives this type of liberty. He gives us this opportunity to come and pray. And somehow he responds to the prayers of his people. He hears us. I think it was Robert Hall that said the prayer of faith is the only power in the universe to which the great Jehovah yields. In other words, it is the only thing to which he will respond in such a powerful way as his people call out to him. He responds to his people. Some years ago, I was at Blue Mountain College, and um, I was listening to this theologian give a lecture on prayer. And it was one of the most fascinating lectures I'd ever heard. Now, I look at some of you and you're thinking, the lecture's never fascinating. But these lectures were fascinating. I got lost in them. I mean, just to hear him teach, and, and, and he was specifically dealing with prayer. And he made these statements. He said, one, there are some things we ask of God that he will give us regardless we ask for or not. There's just some things he's going to give us regardless if we ask or not. For example, how many of you this morning got up and said, God, give me breath right now? Now, some of you may have, but most of us probably did not. We didn't just think about God, give us breath. 
When I get up in the morning, I'm thinking, God, just get me out of bed. God, give me a cup of coffee. God, I mean, that's kind of the way I think. I didn't specifically pray, God, give me breath. There are times God gives us breath, even though we don't specifically ask him for it. There's some things he's just going to do for us. Remember, he's the father, right? And he is just the one who takes care of his people. And even when we don't ask, he still provides for us in so many different ways. There are some things he'll not give us, regardless if we ask or not. There's some things he's just not going to give us. We go to him and we ask him over, he's just not going to do it. He's the good father, remember? He's not going to give you or he's not going to give me something that would be harmful to our lives. So there's some things he's not going to give us regardless. And I'll never forget this theologian then making this statement. But there's some things he will give you only if you do ask. Remember what James says? You have not because you ask not. So there's some things that we only have because we ask. As we pray. I think about it this way. My, my dad was a hardworking guy. <clears throat> he really was. You've heard me talk about him. He drove an 18-wheeler for many years. Um, he was a teamster, proud union guy, always. At the end of the week, though, on Saturdays, we just kind of enjoyed the day. We, sometimes we'd just go out the woods. We'd, do some, we'd, just, we'd just enjoy the day. But I always liked it when my dad took me over to the old country store. Now, some of you can't envision this, probably. But it was out in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, it was run down. It looked like it had been built in 1855. And it may have been. There was this one little door to kind of get into it. And stuff was all around it. We would walk in, just a small little store... There would be all these older guys sitting around the stove over there. Whether the stove was lit or not, they were sitting around it. They were discussing the politics of the day. They were discussing how Aunt so-and-so was like this and how this was here. And it was, it was good. My dad would come in for a few moments and he'd just sit down with them. And I was kind of free to roam. And I always liked to roam around the candy racks. <laughs> nice places to find yourself. And there I would, I'd pick out a candy bar and I'd go to him and I'd say, hey daddy, can I get this? And most all the time, my dad would say, yeah, go ahead, give it to Miss Helen. Tell her I'll pay for it in a little while. I said, yes sir. I'd go up to Miss Helen, she'd just kind of nod. I'd just break it open, I'd start eating. Man, it was good. Saturday mornings were good back then. <laughs> Leslie doesn't let me have that many candy bars now, you know. <laughs> But you know the reason I got it? Because I asked him. He didn't have any problem with it. I mean, he didn't have any issue with me getting it. But he wouldn't have probably gone and said, Hey, take that candy bar and eat it. It was one of those things of asking. Think about biblically. Think about moments in the scripture where the people of God or a person of God prayed. And God heard and he gave. One of... The clearest examples would be King Hezekiah. 
Back, Isaiah, I think 38 or so, you'll find the story. God looks at Isaiah the prophet and he says, You go to King Hezekiah, you tell him to get everything in order because he is about to die. He's sick, he knows he is, he is about to die. Get everything in order. Hezekiah turns himself to the wall and he prays to God. He basically says, God, you know my heart, you know who I've been. God, please give me more time. The Bible says that he honored that prayer. God did. And gave Hezekiah 15 more years. Now, did God know he was going to do that? Yes, God knows all things. Had God figured all this? Yes, he did. But I believe it is because Hezekiah prayed and said, God, please, please, that God responded. And God, again, had the power to extend his life 15 more years. I say to you, some of us, we don't have it because we haven't asked for it. We don't have it in our lives because we have not come to Him trusting Him with a power that only He has. Now before some of you go out of here and you accuse me of some type of heresy, let me just say this this morning as well. God has the power to act and He works through prayer. Prayer makes a difference. But we also know God answers in different ways. Sometimes, as I said a moment ago, God will say yes. He will. He'll say yes. There are times, though, God will say no. I said a moment ago that there are some things we pray for, and we can keep praying for, but regardless, it doesn't matter. He's not going to give it to us because He knows it is harmful to us. There are times God says no. Now, some of us call those unanswered prayers. Some of you just almost broke out in a country song. I saw you over in this section. Thank God for unanswered prayers. There are no unanswered prayers. It's just that God sometimes says no. He will say no to us. Because, again, in His sovereignty, He knows what's best. Dr. Charles Stanley also added two other responses of God. He said there are times when God will say, wait, as well. Just wait. Ask Mary and Martha who sent word to Jesus about their brother Lazarus who was close unto death. Ask them what it's like to wait. The scripture said that Jesus heard their request and then he waited before he came. Three more days or so before he came. And when they got there, it was not an issue of power. They knew that Jesus had the power to do it. If you'll hear both of them, they see Jesus at two different moments, okay? Two different times. I think they had been talking about it. I think they had had communicated about this power of Jesus because both of them say the same exact things. If you would have been here, if you would have been here, in other words, God, if you had answered the prayer, God, if you would have come, Jesus, if you would have come, they knew what it was like in some ways for Jesus to say, wait, just wait. Because Jesus had a purpose to demonstrate his glory and his power greater than they could ever know in the resurrection of Lazarus. 
He had his own purpose. So sometimes he says, wait, because of his purpose. Hey, do you know that there's a spiritual warfare going on as well? And that when we pray, there are battles. Sometimes the answer comes later because of the hostility of these of these, this warfare that is going on. If you don't believe me, read the book of Daniel. Daniel got down and he prayed. Didn't hear for, from God for 21 days. 21 days he had prayed. And God answered him and said, I heard you the first time you prayed. I heard you. But you know what happened? Satan himself tried to stop this answer. So I made reinforcements with the archangel Michael and he's taking care of it and he is coming on your behalf because he had the power. Sometimes we have to wait. And sometimes, hey, sometimes even though he has the power and he, he, and he could work in his own way in our lives, he chooses to leave a certain weakness in our lives for our growth and for his glory. You ask Paul. You want to talk about somebody that had the prayer down? Paul prayed three times for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. Three times. And what was the answer? My grace is sufficient. In other words, I'm going to take care of you through it. I'm not going to remove it from you, but I'm going to take care of you as you experience this difficulty you see sometimes prayer can change the overall story notice that is my sermon series because I believe prayer makes a difference it can change the story and when I mean that it can change maybe 15 more years of a king's life it can change a story but when God decides in his wisdom and his power not to remove the thorn in the flesh or remove whatever, I believe God can work to change us in the story. Someone has said that prayer is not just about changing the things that are around us or changing the circumstances. Prayer sometimes is about seeing us changed. Amen. Prayer can make a difference. Always will. Why? Because God can make a difference. You never forget that. That God is powerful and He has chosen this vehicle of prayer to demonstrate His power as well. You never forget that prayer can overcome. Through the prayer that we offer, we can see God do tremendous and wonderful things. Let me close with this quote from one of our church fathers who said, The potency of prayer hath subdued the strength of fire. It had bridled the rage of lions, hushed anarchy to rest, extinguished wars, appeased the elements, expelled demons, burst the chains of death, expanded the gates of heaven, assuaged diseases, repelled frauds, rescued cities from destruction, stayed the sun in its course, and arrested the progress of the thunderbolt. Prayer is an all-efficient armor, a, tre a treasure undiminished, a mind which is never exhausted, a sky unobscured by clouds, a heaven unruffled by the storm. 
It is the root, the fountain, the mother of a thousand blessings. Prayer has demonstrated itself so powerful through the years. And prayer is still just as powerful. Because God is just as powerful. God makes a difference. Prayer makes a difference. And today, wherever you are in, whatever you're going through, whatever the issue, take it to the one who has the most knowledge. Take it to the one who can actually make a difference. Take it to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, I pray for us as a people. In moments where we have simply neglected prayer in our lives. Father, in a moment where we've just simply forgotten the power that you bring and the power that prayer itself brings. God, we repent of not calling upon you when we should have. God, I pray that today in this place that you would hear our hearts and lives. That today, collectively, we would just assert that you are the only one that can work on our behalf in such a powerful way. And God, that today we just rest in you and rest in your power. There are some of us in this place that are dealing with health issues. There are some of us in this place who are dealing with relational issues. There are some of us today who are struggling spiritually. God, I pray that you would demonstrate that power in our lives. Lord, touch us. Speak to us. Make a difference in our story. We pray it. In Jesus' name, amen.